Welcome to episode 19 of 514 Beltway to Bytown podcast. My name is Jeff, and with me is my longtime friend Todd. This podcast is recorded remotely, with me being in D.C. and Todd in Canada's capital city of Ottawa. Remember, everything we say could be fact or fiction. What's on tap, Todd? Tonight, we're catching up on all things sports and pop culture, Jeff. First, we're sequestering ourselves as judge and jury for Habs GM Marc Belgevin. We're going to talk some NBA bubble, uh, visit the loss of the great John Thompson, uh, give our initial impressions on Madden 21 video game, talk about the new Washington football president, and uh, then we'll brief each other on what we're quickly watching and reading. Very good. By the way, before we get into the end part, have you watched Ex Machina yet? I have not. On the Fantastic. list. Fantastic. Okay, great. On the, <laughs> on the list. The list only has one on thing the on the list. list. Just so you know. on the list. Maybe okay, that. all right. Let's get going. Here we go, Todd. Start us off. So before we get into the Habs, because I know you want to, we want to unpack the Habs to the greatest degree. Do you agree? Like, you've been watching sports for a long time, probably since the mid-80s, same as me. You're the same vintage as I am. One of the weirdest sports seasons you can ever remember? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think, uh, you know, everything started with COVID. Obviously, everything was shut down for a long time. And, uh, you know, some leagues came back. Then we have the bubble in uh, the NBA and the NHL. I think they're doing a good job with it. NFL is about to kick off. We're seeing some different things with college football. But uh, we're also seeing politics being infused in, in sports. And I think that's affecting the overall, you know, enthusiasm for, for the watchers at this point. So you're right. Sports right now is in a, an interesting place. And um, I think, you know, at least – here in the States, there's definitely a loss of some viewership because of it. I mean, you know, like, it's been, it was a truncated season to begin with because of COVID, as you said. Um, so it was hard to get fans back. The only thing I can even, it doesn't even touch this in comparison. I, I think of the player strike, like in, in 87 mm-hmm. in the NFL and in the NBA in the 90s, uh, where we had these shortened seasons and then we had replacement players coming in for the NFL. Um, 9-11, there was maybe a week or two of postponed games. There's been nothing like this, like nothing in even, you know, nothing we could potentially imagine uh, before. And I kind of agree with you. Like, I think most of these protests are easily justifiable, easily warranted, um, you know, from a social justice perspective. Mm-hmm. But because the fact that it's been overtaken, it's, it's been hard to watch as a viewer. Like, you know, it's polarizing, right? Like, and I, I think society is polarized as it is. Um, but to sit there as a viewer, you, you kind of you can't separate the two right now, right? Like it's very, the, the sports world has divided itself into camps. Most of the sports leagues have really, um, you know, fallen on the side of, for, you know, for good reason, in my opinion, on the side of social justice. But mm-hmm. there's others like the Dana White, like, you know, spoke at the RNC, clearly in the Trump camp. Um, you know, and as a UFC fan, that affects kind of how I view the product, right? And uh, so it's just hard. It's hard to kind of reconcile the two, being a sports fan, but at the same time, having your own political opinions and, and, you know, you kind of wish the two would remain separate, but understand why uh, the politics has creeped in. Yeah. And you see it happen to Brian Ehrlicher the other day too. He made some very mature comments. The bears have distanced themselves from him. It's just, you know, when you mix sports and politics, people are going to leave. I mean, you want sports to be an escape. I think people were hoping that after COVID sports, we're going to bring people back together. And, and this will be the thing that unites us again. Uh, because, you know, obviously we're dealing with mask, no mask, and that divides everyone. But sports has not done that. And uh, you're right. We, we've got division happening within the sports, you know, sports arenas as well. So yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. I just hope that, uh, you know, I don't know. I just hope everything gets better as a country and 
you know, sports comes back to uniting us once and for all. Tough time, man. There's probably some guy, you know, who's a Republican and an NBA fan. At the same time, there's probably some Democrat. <laughs> yeah. Green, green, green friendly UFC fan. They're having a hard time. They're struggling. They're both struggling, <laughs> right? So hopefully right they can reconcile me to get over here. So one thing uh, just as controversial, the future of your longtime uh, Habs GM, uh, Mark Belchevin. So All right. this guy came in 2012. You know, he came from Chicago Blackhawks. They had some success there. He was a player himself in the league. Um, you know, kind of got the feeling that uh, the Molsons, um, sorry, Terry got fired. Belgemay, there was a lot of talk that he would follow suit, particularly after some of the controversial trades, like some popular players like Pacioretty, Subban, the list goes on. Has this playoff bubble gotten him life? Like, like a new life? Mm-hmm. Like, does he have a new stay for a while? Like, is he, I think he, he does. easy for a bit? Yeah, Listen, I think so too. You brought in some interesting points there about the trades. And at the time, you know, I, I don't live in Montreal anymore, but I know Montreal was up in arms with the PK Subban trade. If you look at the players right now, Weber and Subban, it's no contest. Montreal won the trade. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Subban's on his third team. He's getting no points. I mean, he's a forgotten player. So Montreal won the trade. We think the Max Pacioretty trade to Arizona. Well, my God, we got Nick Suzuki and, and Tatar out of it. Or maybe we got Domi out of that one. But we got a prospect. We got Suzuki. And it's, the future is bright for Montreal. And I think the cupboard is no longer bare. And that's what Bergevay can sort of hang his hat on. The question is, the superstars, right, Weber, Price, are aging. We've got some really great young players, right, Kakanyemi, Suzuki, and those guys came to fruition in the playoffs, right? Oh, fantastic timing, playoffs. Timing, right. right? Like timing's everything, right? Right, right. And I think going into the playoffs, first of all, Montreal should have not been in the playoffs, right? If it was a normal season, they wouldn't yeah. have been in. They got in. I think everyone was hoping, hey, let's maybe win a game against Pittsburgh. They had a 12% shot for the first overall pick. Well, you know, the series got going and they beat Pittsburgh. Well, I think everyone sort of got on the bandwagon, except one person we know. But, uh, <laughs> but all things Quebec. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think Montreal Quebec, hasn't had success in so long that we all got excited, and they were doing a great job against Philly as well. You know, uh, they gave it their best. You know, and I think that's all anyone could ask for. It was a great performance coming after a really subpar season. So but I think there's excitement. Yeah. yeah, and you hear the press conference after, right? Like it's obvious. Um, he kind of reiterated that, you know, Price and, and Weber are kind of the rock, mm-hmm. right? Plus the add on the young talent. But just kind of be interesting to see kind of where, where his thoughts are. I think they're like four and a half million under the NHL salary cap right now. Right, right. So to kind of see what kind of what direction is he going to take the team going forward. Yes, and, and you know, you wonder what would have happened if Gallagher could have played the last game. I, I know he was playing with 100% heart, which he always does, and he got hurt and that kind of ended it for us. But I also will say, I, I think it's time to say goodbye to the Max Domi experiment. He just doesn't seem to fit in with the team. So we'll see what happens with the draft and maybe with the trades and, and hope for the best. But there is excitement in Montreal. Gallagher, no man. I'm not even a Habs fan or a hockey fan, but you got to like Gallagher, man. That's the Daniel Day-Lewis, man. Like, yeah. like, it's like he's almost like a character from when we you know, like uh, there will be blood <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but right? like on, on hockey skates. Like, I drink your milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the kid has a broken jaw. Blood's really? coming out of his mouth. He doesn't miss a shift. I mean, what more can you ask from a kid? So, uh, you know, as long as he's on the team, I think there's hope. There's just that, that character in the fight that uh, you love to see. So I, okay, I love so the, the jury, yeah. yeah. So the jury comes to the conclusion. You are like, you know, Mark Belgevin, you are like Jason from Friday the 13th. We can stab you, burn you, yep. you know, drop you off a building. You're going to keep walking. You're around for a little bit longer. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, moving on. What do we got? Okay, NBA. 
So you you're not you you're not you're not a huge NBA fan, but you were a little bit intrigued. Uh, you were kind of doubtful at first that this this NBA playoffs was going to happen. Yeah, true. Um, but you've you've been watching a little bit, right? So uh, I'm going to walk you through some series. We'll just talk, uh, kind of give me your initial thoughts. Okay. Uh, so Raptors, have you have you watched the Raptors at all? I don't Zero know Raptors games. I I know they swept right the first series. So they won eleven or twelve in the remaining regular season games. Uh, in the bubble, took on the Brooklyn Nets, like a hollow Brooklyn Nets, had no Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Durant, but killed them, like just demolished them. Yeah. On, the, on the flip side in the East, uh, their rivals are will come, but quickly becoming their rivals. The Celtics basically did the same thing, decimated the Sixers, like in four games. So there was a lot of anticipation going into this next one, right? And Boston, for whatever reason, matched up really well against the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. They beat them, you know, through, I think three times during the regular season. The Raptors maybe took one. Um, so we've had a game one so far and just the one game that we've seen so far, um, Celtics play extremely aggressive defense. They just couldn't hit the shots. Hmm. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the, the two tacticians who are often held as the smartest coaches, Nick nurse with the Raptors and, uh, Brad Stevens with the, the Celtics, right. It's going to be a chess match. Mm-hmm. And hopefully like, I think if the Raptors can kind of, you know, find their sea legs and hit those shots, maybe we'll, we'll, you know, it'll be a competitive series, but, uh, tough. Tough. Could I mean, do you, do you think the Raptors have a chance to repeat, honestly? Um, I think Marc Gasol, like at center, is their one week, like kind of their Achilles heel. I think when, if you get in the zone and you get Van Vliet and Lowry, and I mean, Lowry's hurt right now, uh, their other guard with like an ankle injury. When they start hitting, they got a lot of guys that can hit those, those, those perimeter shots. Um, they're very tough defensively. Win again, I mean, it goes through Giannis, right, like with the Bucks. That's going to be tough. And then, like, again, we thought Lakers, you know, talk about overreactions. They lose their first game versus the Blazers. And then, basically, LeBron just puts the team on his back. And, like, oh my God. Go destruction, right? That's, that's a tough road. So, I mean, I think I could see them in the final. Um, <laughs> my gambling money, if you ask me to bet my mortgage, probably not. But uh, I'm optimistic. I think they got a bit of fight left. I don't think they're done yet. If they get – Celtics is going to be tough. This is going to be a tough series. So, yeah. uh, we talked a little bit about the Clippers and the Mavericks. So, you and I last year – when I was in D.C., mm-hmm. I had tickets. We went with my son to go see a nothing game. Like, Washington Wizards didn't count for anything, but it was <laughs> right. uh, Maverick played versus the Mavericks, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we saw a, a young Luka Doncic, uh, you know, in one of the, in a regular season game, you know, in his first season. Fast forward a year later, over a year later, we're in the playoffs. Uh, Mavericks get eliminated by the Clippers. But have you seen any of this kid, like, what he's kind of developed into? Look, I, I, I've watched him. Okay, I don't watch regular season basketball, um, but I did watch some of the playoffs. I might not have seen the same things you did. I, I saw a guy that just spent a lot of time complaining after every missed shot, looking for fouls, didn't hit free throws. I didn't see what everyone was raving about. I know he had a good early game, yeah, but I, I, you have to hit your free throws and stop complaining. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think what reminds me a little bit of kind of when the Bulls, remember we, you know, just watching in the last dance, right? When the right. Bulls kind of got out physically played and, and knocked around uh, by the Pistons, right? Coming up in the 80s until, you know, they could dismantle them and, and actually become leaders in the East themselves. I think it's a little bit of that, right? I think Luca kind of, he's only 20, right? Like we forget that. He's 20 years old, right? To be hitting 40 points every night, you know? Yeah. You know, he's getting a triple-double almost every night. Nine assists, nine rebounds, ten rebounds, ten assists. Like, it's uh, – I, I think I this is a learning agree. process, man. There, there was nothing process, else on man. the team, and I do think they bullied him. There's no doubt about that. And uh, 
you know, obviously, like you said, he's 20, he'll grow, he'll mature. The future is bright. There's no doubt about it, but yeah. they're not on the same level as the Clippers. I mean, there's, no, they're you not. know, and I, I mean, obviously I think, um, you know, Kawhi and, 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 and uh, GP there, I mean, it's a different level, right. But uh, I liked it. I did like when I did see Luca, like, you know, Marcus Morris, we talked about the dirty plays, right. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, to be a fairness, if this was 1989, we, the, the Pistons, we say great, good job. You know? <laughs> right. But, uh, right. Very physical play, but you know, Doncic had some fight, man. He wanted to actually go toe to toe and take on Morris in that last game. So in the game mm-hmm. six, so um, I think it looks good. Uh, Lakers, man, it's scary. I think you know, like again, talk about we said reaction. Blazers came out, they won the first one, and then Lakers just said, okay, enough. And you see James, see a guy in his thirties just doing it. It's it's impressive. You know, that was the series you know? I really watched the most of, and it, it was just the Portland couldn't couldn't rebound, right? It was just impossible. The Lakers yeah. were everywhere. It just everywhere. It was total domination after the first game. And uh, it, it was like they didn't belong in the same court. I, one of the games started with a 19, 19-0 run by the Lakers. I thought, well, this is, you know, TV off. So uh, I, I'm anxious for the Lakers to, to really compete against, well, again, like I said, the Clippers. I want to see a real series and uh, watch it go the distance. It's funny, man, because after that one game, it's like Damian Lillard suddenly got all this press. And, like, you know, like, it was like he was the next – this was his coming out, right? But uh, yeah, LeBron went can't cut him out. Yeah, he yep. went cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on the note of basketball, uh, someone in your backyard, Georgetown legend, longtime coach, twenty-seven years, John Thompson just passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew a little bit of the story, like um, particularly, you know, like if you, you know, you, you Georgetown, if you ever go to the Nike store, you ever see the kind of the uh, they have a display, like you know, with all the Georgetown jerseys. So they have like Patrick Ewing, Iverson. Uh, Matumbo, like you know, like all the all the players of Georgetown. So I kind of knew, kind of the. I mean, obviously, not, I didn't probably watch any of those games in the, in the eighties, but uh, particularly with Patrick Ewing, but uh, mm-hmm. a real legend, right? Like you think, kind of when you hear the narratives, Iverson, like you know, was facing three felonies. He was, you know, looking at ten to fifteen years in prison, uh, only because the governor kind of did a bit of a stay and kind of got him pulled. Um, no one wanted to give him a scholarship. John Thompson gave him a chance, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, Iverson basically said, you know, in a, in, a, in a Twitter post just recently, thanks for saving my life, coach. I miss you. He had the same story. Um, you know, like the Thompson was really, you know, big part of them winning that national championship. Obviously, head coach Patrick Ewing won the national championship in 84. Um, just a mentor of players, leader of men. Um, obviously, the first uh, black coach to kind of win an NCAA championship, I, you know, but Passing a legend for sure. Yeah, he, he's without a doubt a legend in D.C. Uh, three Final Fours in the 80s. And you mentioned some names, you know, Patrick Ewing. He also had Alonzo Mourning, Matumbo, yeah, obviously Allen Iverson. Just a true legend. Took Georgetown to places I don't think they would have gone without the basketball program. And now it's a legendary program and uh, a fine school. But uh, he will be missed here. There's no doubt about it. So my understanding is his son is the coach now? Correct. Georgetown? Or at least that- he was. I, I assume he is, yes. So obviously not a hot ticket as it was in the 80s, but do is that like a good event? Like, do you know if anyone goes to those games? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I think it's a better event than the Wizards have been lately. I think the Wizards are on the rise, but Georgetown always has a draw. You've got, you know, the student body there, and uh, it, it's a good time. I, I haven't been to a game, but I've heard good things about it. He was actually, uh, he played for Red Arback, like under the Celtics. I didn't know he was Bill Russell's backup. Wow. <laughs> and his nickname was the Caddy. He was the back of Russell. Anyway, six foot ten, you know, imposing presence. But uh, anyway, rest in peace, John Thompson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So Madden. So the new Madden 21 came out. Which you bought, Uh, correct? My son has it. Okay. Yeah, he does have it. Um, So we played it a bit. Um, 
I mean, I asked my son, I said, like, did you, cause a lot of things you would, you were sending me some of the kind of some of the, some of the Twitter feeds that were saying there were glitches and, uh, from a technical standpoint, um, kind of fell short, right? There was nothing, EA was nothing touting anything new. Right. Wasn't at all a, a new experience, but really kind of same old, same old. Plus there were some glitches. He said there was actually like, again, the game did have some technical difficulties. It would freeze or lag <laughs> like, um, at times. Right. Um, I tried the yard function. So they have this new yard function where you can create your own avatar and basically you can play like six on six format. You can do behind the back passes, double passes, trick plays. Um, but kind of agreed there wasn't a whole lot uh, new there to kind of to kind of look at. So, Listen, I was a guy that would, would be at GameStop at midnight to get the new Madden, you know, years ago. It was, you know, Christmas when Madden came out. And, uh, you know, I... I I guess I get the new Madden every year now, but I wait for three or four months when it's cheap. But this one is a complete disaster. I told you about a website called Metacritic, which aggregates, uh, you know, reviews from a multitude of sites. And it's the lowest rated video game ever yeah. produced. Now, let's think about it. the lowest rated game ever produced. That's shameful. And it all comes down to yes. <laughs> EA being an exclusive uh, football simulation with the NFL. So there's no competition yeah. anymore. There's no 2K, and they just you know sit on their laurels, and it's a bad product. So I think because you, if you play the Madden Ultimate Team competitions, right? It's kind of my understanding is it's you, it's pretty you getting the new players right. and remaining competitive and the new packs is predicated on you having the latest version of Madden, right? So um, I think that's what's driving it, right? Like obviously the kids want to have Tua, they want to have Chase Young. Right? The only way they can do that is if they get the latest version of Madden. And you, it's all based on these microtransactions, right? You, you buy these, like yeah. you said, a card pack and you open the pack and hopefully you've got the star in it. But uh, that's the thing. They don't necessarily make the money on the game anymore. It's all in these microtransactions. And what they don't develop is yeah. the franchise mode, which is for you know, guys our age that sit at home and don't play online. Right? We like the franchise. Well, they've stopped putting any money into it. And it's been stagnant and longtime yeah. Madden players are really upset about it. So. Um, you know, I just, again, it's another, it's another situation where without competition, there's, it's a bad product, but speaking so of, I got a EA, bit of a skill, a bit of a skill. hold on, I got to give you something. Speaking of EA, because EA sports, you know, they do quite a few games. I actually got uh, an email from them tonight with a code to be an NHL 21 beta tester. So I'm going to let you know on the next podcast, what I think of <laughs> NHL 21 before it comes right. out. Okay, sounds good, man. I want to hear that review. Okay. So before we, we, we segue off the video games, I'm going to have a quick skills uh, <laughs> oh, testing question for you. Okay. A couple of skill testing questions. Okay, so each year, uh, Madden pencils in starting quarterbacks in each of the teams. Right? So obviously, the training camps are still going on. There's some QB competitions going on. We don't know who's going to be the starting QB with each of these franchises. Okay. I wonder, <laughs> but it's a pretty good predictor, right? Um, or not always. So I'm going to ask you the team. I want you to try and tell me who you think Madden penciled in as a starter. Okay. So we'll start with the easy, and then we'll go from there. So New England Patriots. So you have Stidham, Hoyer, and Newton. Who's the starter? What about Newton? Is he not there? Newton. That's what oh, I said. Yeah. yeah. Newton, I, I, Hoyer, I and Newton, Stidham. Newton has to be the guy in Madden. Newton's the guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Didn't know if they know about Stidham's injury, but uh, we'll see week five. But uh, right. <laughs> right now, right. Newton is the predicted okay. starter. Okay. So going a little bit tougher. Uh, the Chargers. Ooh. We got Tyrod Taylor, and we have University of Oregon graduate, fifth pick, uh, fifth uh, pick overall, Justin Herbert. No, it's got to be Taylor. It has to be Taylor. It is. It is not oh, Taylor. It's Justin Herbert with a pick. Yeah, I think that's crazy. I think that one. 
Tyrod Taylor, I think experience man counts. I think uh, I could see it in week four or five if they're not doing well. But right, right. I think I, it's, I think it's probably a quick pull, but I don't think it's a week one. We're talking week one, right? I, I think yep. you you've got to try to set the tone for the season and try to win the first few games. So I think it's Taylor. But part of their justification, so if you look at the AFC, uh, Herbert has lowest uh, man rating overall, 70 in the, the AFC. Wow. So, and, and I mean, <laughs> all these rookie guys, you have to think too, zero preseason games. Yep. Right? So, 14 I mean, practices. Right. 14 so, practices. I mean, we're asking a lot from these guys. Okay. Okay. What else do we got here? Okay. Let me just go down the list here. Uh... I would assume Joe Burrow for the Bengals, right? And there's the rookie. Yeah, that's I will automatic, yeah. Okay. That's not that one's penciled in. Okay. Okay, so what, your Washington football team. So you got Dwayne Haskins and you got Alex Smith. Listen, I, I think if we're talking real life or Madden, I think Haskins gets the start. I think, you know, Smith is just getting back on the field after two years. But Smith is there. He's in the wings. And I think if Haskins falters at all, Smith goes in. I, I really believe it. And I could see it by mid-year, Alex Smith walking in and being the starting quarterback. Okay, but for the Madden, who do we think? Haskins. Yeah, it's Haskins. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How do you think if you had to predict his Madden rating, what do you think? Haskins? Uh, yeah. 77. 70. Oh, <laughs> Lowest man. in the NFC. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm a 68, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, Miami. Okay, so we have Tua. Oof. So first round, okay. first pick overall. Yep. Uh, we have Rosen, Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. And we have the journeyman, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, All right. I I think Madden's going to say Tua on this one. It is not. It is Ryan Fitzpatrick with a 74 rating overall. (laughs) What's Tua's rating? I don't know what his rating is. I think that's accurate, though. I think Fitzpatrick wins the starting job. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I do know he had to leave practice the other day. Uh, His mother passed away. But uh, I do think he he gets the starting job. Okay. uh, Last one. Chicago Bears, we got the Biscuit, Mitchell Trubisky, and we have the statue, Nick Foles. God, bad and bad. I have to go Nick Foles on this one. He's got a Super Bowl. (laughs) It is Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, my God. 72 overall. Oh, he's terrible. Okay. (laughs) So who do you think's got the – which player do you think has the highest rating overall? In the game? It's not Lamar Lamar Jackson. Oh, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, in close second. Close second. I think it's a quarterback. Let's say quarterback. All right, Russell Wilson. It is not, which is shocking to me. Aaron Rodgers, they gave a 98. That makes no sense to me, man. You know, who's our big Packer fan? Gary Russin. Yeah, Gary Russin. Even he would question that. Yeah. He would question that. Okay, man. That's good. Oh, man, you got those pretty good, man. All right, not bad. uh... Okay, uh, that basically wraps up our sports stuff man so we're going to talk about streaming and what we're watching and stuff all right you go first buddy i I have i think i have a few good ones this week tell me about you what are you watching what are you streaming so i'm watching on amazon prime the world's toughest race eco challenge so this is an eco challenge reboot so if you remember on discovery channel back in the 90s and 2000s uh they had these adventure races right these Mm -hmm. four team four men uh, or four person team adventure races they take you to remote places of the world where you have to do everything from whitewater rafting, paddle boarding, mountain biking, canyoneering, rappelling, uh, mountain running, navigation, no technology like GPS is allowed, um, over very dense forest, difficult areas, right? So um, this was Mark Burnett who started this back in the 90s, the same guy behind Survivor and mm-hmm. The Apprentice, but 
they've decided to reboot the series for Amazon. It was actually filmed in Fiji in 1999. Oh, wow. Okay. So Bear Grylls, the um, man versus wild guy, he's kind of like the, the host. So 66 teams from around the world. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty entertaining, man. I mean, I always like the original series, but just a physically grueling and uh, mentally demanding uh, endeavor. And what's kind of interesting is the athletes have aged in the sense that I don't think it's a sport that's being done like these triathlons and like long distance events. I think it's a lot of the holdovers from the 1990s and 2000s are still doing this because the team that actually wins, uh, I won't say spoiler which team alert, is, they're, they're, yeah. okay. they're easily in their 40s, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and they actually show one elite team there, like in their 60s, they're trying to get through this, right? So it's uh, it's good, man. It's good television. What's the prize if, you like it. if they win? It's not much. A hundred thousand dollars in bragging rights, right? All right. So, all right. So, I mean, just to put in perspective, like I said, like, you know, like I worked with the military. I knew some operators, like really hardcore guys. Uh, they did the Borneo Eco Challenge, like, like in the, the, the mid-2000s, right? And they didn't finish the race. Hmm. Right? So, to put in perspective, man, and these guys were, you know, like obviously locked solid. So, it's uh, a tough event for sure, but good good television. So, uh, world's toughest race, Amazon Prime. Okay. I like it. Next thing I'm watching uh, on Netflix, Fight World, which is a six-part <laughs> docuseries. <laughs> So Frank Grillo, who was in The Purge and Zero Dark Thirty, he's an actor, probably about our age, about 50, a little bit older than us, fight enthusiast. He goes around the world and explores diverse cultures, looks at what fight sports they do and what compels them to do the sport. So example, he goes into Mexico City, you know, deep area rife with some substance abuse, major crime, and he goes and visits uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, right, in his boxing school, so shows these young prize fighters that basically they got to fight their way out of a ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. He goes to Thailand and in goes to a Thai camp where they have these professional 10-year-old Muay Thai boxers, right? Like who fight for a living professionally. Um, so he goes all over the world kind of exploring these different fight styles, but really immerses himself in the culture, the food, the people, um, and actually does the training, like with the actual uh, training with the fighters. So pretty good series. Hmm. Interesting. Good. Really some good visuals. Like it's pretty uh, visually stunning as well. It goes deeper to just the fighting, but also the people. You know something we haven't talked about? I, I don't know if you're watching it, but Hard Knocks is on, isn't it? Is it? What team is it? You know what? I, I honestly don't even know. I got rid of HBO. I don't know. But I do know it's on, <laughs> right? I mean, that just kind of shows you where I am with the NFL right now. I'm just waiting for the games. I mean, it used to be can't miss TV. I would have paid for HBO. But it's, you know, it's kind of run its course like everything else. So they know yeah, the cameras are there. I have the NFL there. network and yeah. I haven't watched the training camp stuff at all. Right. Like, uh, right. Um, so, tougher. Yeah. Tougher watch. All right. I'm uh, going to give you. Thing, oh, you got uh, one Joe, more. Uh, okay. Sorry, bud. One more. So Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan podcast. Um, he has a long form interview, two and a half hours with Oliver Stone. So the director uh, of Platoon, yeah. Wall Street, JFK. And it goes, cause he just did a memoir book, right? And he has a new series on Netflix as well, but he goes deep, man. Cause he was a Vietnam vet himself. Right. So they spend like an hour talking. Like if you're a platoon and I know like Jay Allen, if you're listening and Kareem Rahil, big platoon fans, uh, you hear Oliver Stone go deep into his time, like in a, in a combat arms role, like in Vietnam talking about, how the Barnes and Elias characters were actually based on real uh, sergeants who didn't like each other. And guys were actually trying to frag one another, like kill each other in the field and stuff like uh, pretty deep stuff, man. Wow. That <laughs> pretty, one sounds interesting. Pretty good conversation, man. If you're going out for a run or a bike ride, put that on. Again, That's I'm not a big Joe Rogan guy, but I might give that one a listen, Todd. I might. All right. I've got two shows and a podcast. The first okay. show, this was, you know, how I uh, aggressively ask you to watch Ex Machina. I have a friend of mine named Deb who lives in Australia that pestered me for about a month to watch this show called Devs, D-E-V-S. And it's an FX show, but it's on Hulu. Do you have Hulu? 
No, I do not. No. All right. Anyway, it's written and directed by uh, X Garland, who actually wrote Ex Machina. Okay, the movie that I keep talking about. Okay, I'm done letting you same same director. Okay. I think we gotta change our like you know like five one four X Machina. I know. Uh, Maybe you watch the thing. All right. Okay. So this is set in a near future with Nick Offerman. He he was in Parks and Rec, and he's sort of like this Elon Musk character. And he okay. he has this business, this company with a side project called Devs. And I, I don't want to give it away, but it explores the idea of life being a strictly linear path. You know, free will doesn't exist. All decisions are, are premeditated. They're made in advance. Nothing you do has any effect. So you're on a trajectory and that trajectory doesn't change. Doesn't change. Can... Okay. So essentially he's invented a machine, an AI machine, that because life is so linear, it, it can look at the moment you're in right now and therefore predict the past and predict the future. And uh, it's, it's really interesting I wasn't, I didn't love two of the main characters, but I, I will say if you follow the show through, the last episode has, has a fantastic payoff. It, it's really okay. good. It explores like the multiverse and all kinds of things, you know, past and future and time travel. It's, it's really well done. So that, that was a good one. All right, the next one. All right, I, I, I didn't know if I was going to talk about this one, but I am. This, this past weekend, it was raining here, and it's, I just thought I'd binge this show that people have talked about. It's called Normal People. It's on Hulu. Have you heard of it? I've, I, it sounds familiar. Okay. It, it was a big hit probably, I don't know, three or four months ago. And it's, you know, I just saw it as this love story. Okay, I just kept seeing the trailer. It's a love story. And um, Todd, I'm going to tell you, it's one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. It, it's about... Two young people, I guess it kind of starts in, in Ireland and a couple as they finish high school and make their way through college. And um, my God, it's, it's superb. The cast, the acting, the story, cinematography, the soundtrack. It's, it's an incredible story. And uh, it's about love, but it's about so much more than that. It's about how they find each other and give each other strength through tough times. And uh to be honest, it's it's an uh, it puts you on an emotional roller coaster. It's it's as good a show as I've ever seen. So I okay. I highly recommend it. Not easy to watch, really, but uh, incredible. Then I'll give you a podcast. I, I sent you the link for this one a while ago. I sent it to uh, Mr. Stag as well, and it's called Land of Giants. And uh, what it does, it, it examines these five companies: Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, and how these companies are changing the world. And it's really, it's going to be a five-season podcast. The first one is complete, and it follows the rise of Amazon. And episodes include, you know, the rise, obviously, how Amazon became what it was, why you can't quit Amazon, how Amazon is using AI, you know, how Amazon deals with Wall Street. So it's all the intricacies of the company, and it, it's really fascinating. Season two just started, and it follows Netflix. I, I haven't listened to that one yet, but I'm about to start that one. Uh, but very I timely highly, man because uh, all those timely. organizations just went through the antitrust exactly like exactly stuff, right so. so highly recommend it land of giants can't go wrong with that one yeah, that sounds like yeah that sounds yeah. really interesting actually sounds really good um, and uh you know before we wrap this one up we do have a fantastic guest next week a good friend of mine casey torres he is a scout with the pittsburgh penguins he'll talk hockey he was part of their last stanley cup championship and uh, boy, he's going to be great to talk to. So I'm looking forward to that one next week. He's in a he's in a scouting role. Yeah, he's he's one of the scouts for the Penguins. 
Okay, so all you crazy hockey parents out there, those arena rats, man, that like you all think your kids go into the to the show, listen in. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pepper them on what the measurables are, right? If you're a you're a rep hockey kid, what what should we be looking for? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, good. Well, this was good, Todd. We covered a lot, and uh, it was great catching up. I look forward to next week, and uh, have a good night, my friend. All right, man. Bun some in. Bun some in. Cheers.